Hello and a very warm welcome to you, my dear listener. This is the New Life Program, coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. We have a great show lined up for you. Thanks for joining us. I am your host, Monica Kamokwa. Very glad that you are tuned in. To start off the show is Beryl Aseno. We will be talking about relaxation on Health Talk. Then later on, Ian Muse will join us in in the Bible segment with the topic, How the Cross Provides Forgiveness. But first, let's get the song, Jesus Come Down, by Gloria Singers. Stay tuned. Salvation and free us from sin. It was my grace, but it took it from me. For I had no strength to stand for the pain. But Jesus came down from heaven to earth just to pay the debt for me. My Jesus Christ just paid it all for me. Whosoever believes eternally lives, but if we do wrong, we crucify him on the cross the second time. He paid it all, and I'm guilty then no more. Oh, oh, Dear listener, that was Jesus Come Down by Glorious Singers. You're listening to the New Life program coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Here comes Beryl Aseno with more on relaxation. Stay tuned and be on the news. Welcome 
to our health program today, listener. As we go through this episode on stress, I trust that the knowledge received will help you to cope in our fast-paced society. In our last program, we discussed a bit on relaxation. We said that relaxation is anything that completely absorbs your attention and is fun and also restful. It should also relieve the mind for the time being. We also gave an example of a school situation where students are given break periods between lessons so as to refresh their minds from study stress. Today, we want to discuss more on relaxation. Look at this situation. It's 1.30 in the morning. The baby has had a bad cold and was fussy all day. When your husband came home, you tried to tell him about your day, but he wouldn't listen. I've had my own bad day, he shouted and retreated to the chair in front of the television. You'd like to really tell him off, but you were brought up to control yourself, so you bottle it up inside. Now as you lie in bed, you replay all the frustrations of the day. You are tense. You stare at the ceiling. Finally, you drop off to sleep, but just as you do, the baby wakes up crying. You think your mind will snap if one more thing goes wrong. Stress. We found out that stress can make us sick. Not just mentally sick, but physically, emotionally, and spiritually sick. We found that heavy and prolonged stress can lead to serious heart disease and that there is also strong reasons to suspect that it might set us up for cancer also. Emotional and muscular tension are intimately related. Relaxation of the muscles will help relieve emotional stress and vice versa. It is impossible to have intense emotional tension if your body is completely relaxed. But there are some ways you can learn to relax your muscles. Are you ready to try? First, settle back as comfortably as you can. Let yourself relax as well as you can. Now clench your fist tight. Feel the tension. Now relax it. Let the fingers become loose. Observe the contrast in your feelings. Do it again. Feel the muscles begin to loosen up. Now do the same with the left fist. Next, tense your upper arm. Tighten your biceps, your triceps. These are muscles in your upper arms. Then relax and let your arms hang as limp as possible. Proceed with the muscles of the facial area, the neck, the shoulders and upper back, then of the chest, stomach and lower back, then of the lips, thighs and calves. You will learn to achieve a remarkable degree of muscular relaxation. But not only do your muscles and nerves need rest, your mind needs rest too. If you have trouble sleeping, here are some suggestions. First, have a fixed time for going to bed. Let nothing interfere with it. Secondly, end your day on a low key. Avoid exciting reading or TV just before bedtime. Put off that family argument until tomorrow. If you have spoken any unkind words to your husband or child during the day, tell them that you are very sorry. You'd be surprised how this calms your mind. Thirdly, eat a light supper. It wouldn't hurt if you skip the night meal. Your body will rest better if it's not busy digesting a big meal. Just before retiring, take a leisurely 15-minute walk followed by a warm, not-too-hot bath. Do your relaxation exercises, sleep in a room with fresh air, pull the shades to keep out unwanted light, read a text from the Bible, and if you want real peace of mind, have a little talk with the Lord before you sleep. Let him know about your problems and frustrations. Give them to him. He doesn't mind. Stress that does not need to be damaging. It is a response that was designed into our bodies to take care of emergencies. 
But if that stress response is too long, if that extra flow of adrenaline is too prolonged, we may be in for some trouble. If you are in the woods and a bear steps from behind a tree, instantly your body goes into action. You run faster than you have ever run before. Extraordinary feats of energy are possible when you are under such stress. But what if the bear is chasing you all the time? You are in real trouble, especially if the bear is hatred, fear, anxiety, or frustrations. These negative emotions cause most of our serious stress problems. In the lower part of the brain, we find two mechanisms, the hypothalamus and the limbic system. These control the emotional side of our sides. Prolonged stress triggered by negative emotions can set up inflammation in any part of the body, especially in the sinuses, the throat, the lymph nodes, and the intestines. While on the other hand, hope, faith, courage, sympathy, and love promote health and prolong life. A contented mind, a cheerful spirit is health to the body, and strength to the soul. There is deep unrest in the human heart. Modern man may call it maladjustment. In a very real sense, it represents an alienation from God. God designed us to live at peace with and with each other. But we have managed to get ourselves at cross purposes with each other and with the universe. What is the result? Stress, sickness, but there is a prescription, a divine prescription. Now I want to tell you about one of the most remarkable discoveries. It has been found that egoism or selfishness it is at the core root of all stress. It leads to competition, aggressiveness, and greed. To a Bible student, this is not surprising at all. The human heart is evil and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Asks Jeremiah in the Bible. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then maybe also do good them that are accustomed to do evil. Jeremiah chapter 13 verses 23. In the absence of any real change, Dr. Selye suggests what he calls altruistic egoism. I'll do good deeds for you so that you'll be grateful to me and be nice to me. How much better is the Lord's way? Give me your heart, says God. I'll give you a transplant, a soft new heart for your old stony one. That's what I want. Won't you ask for that kind of a heart transplant today? Thank you for joining us and my name is Beryl Asen. For those of you who are just joining us, this is the New Life Program with me, Monica Kamoko, your host, coming to you live from the Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Always a pleasure to have you with us. You haven't missed a lot. If you wish to drop comments, suggestions, or questions, do so through the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us at awrnairobi@eku.adventist.org. You're listening to the new live program coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Don't change the channel. There's a voice in the hills of Bay calls my name. There's a voice in the hills of Bay calls my name. And it sounds like my Savior from afar. He calls my name. He calls my name. 
me, you took me by the hand. There's a voice in the hills of pain, it calls my name. There's a voice in the hills of pain, it calls my name. And it sounds like my savior from afar, he calls my name. There's a cry in the city and it shouts for help. There's a cry in the city and it shouts for help. And I know, and I know my Savior hears it. Here's the cry. And you remember them and take them by the hand. There's a cry in the city, there's a shout for help. There's a cry in the city, there's a shout for help. And I know. My dear listener, thanks for choosing our station. We are because you are. And now, please join me as I welcome Ian Muse for the Bible segment. His message is how the cross provides forgiveness. Be blessed. Greetings, dear listener, in Jesus' name. Welcome to our study today, and the topic of our study is finding forgiveness at the cross. I am a presenter, Ian Muse. Even though his hand was stayed and God provided another sacrifice, Abraham really did give up his son that day. He experienced all the pain, heartbreak, and horror that attend the death of an only child. Holding the power to save his son's life, he would not exercise it. God intervened only after it was fully apparent that Abraham would not hesitate to offer up Isaac. Thank God for the faith of Abraham that for the equal faith and submission of his beloved son. No one can miss the impact of that very moving human story. It brings the love and sacrifice of the atonement within the understanding of every child of Abraham. Now we can grasp a little better how the father and his only begotten son suffered at the cross. The cost of our redemption becomes clearer. But now we must consider another aspect of this heavenly drama which will further illuminate God's love and sacrifice. 
How does the death of one man, the second Adam, provide forgiveness for all who have sinned? The Bible says, Without shedding of blood is no remission of sins. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 Remission, of course, means forgiveness. The question is, how does Christ's death make it possible for him to forgive sin? This brings us to the crux of all we have learned so far. It was necessary for Jesus to suffer the second death in order to acquire the power to forgive. The germ of all forgiveness is rooted in an act of substitution. Whoever forgives another person must actually substitute himself for the one he forgives and be willing to suffer the consequences of the wrong done. For example, if I forgive someone a debt, I must be prepared to suffer the loss of the amount. If I forgive a blow, I must be willing to suffer the pain of it without requiring the one who gave it to be punished. Justice requires that every offender be recompensed in proportion to what he did. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The one who gives a blow must also suffer an equal blow in return. Forgiveness, though, relieves the offender from receiving what he legally deserves. The forgiver accepts the consequence himself in order that the guilty one can go free without punishment. Thus there is clearly a substitution of the innocent for the guilty in every act of forgiveness. As a further demonstration, let us imagine that a murdered man could forgive his murderer from beyond the grave. He would, in effect, be consenting to his own death in order that the killer would not be punished. By accepting the result of the offense against him, he allowed his own death to satisfy the penalty which could be legally laid upon the murderer. This illustration brings us very close to the heart of the atonement. We are dealing here with the readjustment of a jarred relationship. That is what atonement really is. Two parties are always involved, the wronged and the wrongdoer. In this case, it is God, the wronged, and man, the one who sins against him. Justice demands an adequate expiation of the sin. Only two causes are possible. Either justice will exact the prescribed penalty, or there must be forgiveness from the offended one. If forgiveness is extended, the forgiver will have to accept the consequences of the sin and suffer it in place of the guilty. The penalty for sin is death. So in order to grant forgiveness to the sinner, Jesus must be willing to bear in his own body the same punishment that the broken law would demand of the sinner. The punishment for sin is not the first death, but the second death. That is why the protracted agony of Jesus on the cross was totally unlike any other death. Thousands of criminals were crucified in the same physical way that Christ was nailed to the cross, but they suffered only the bodily pain of the first death. He experienced the awful condemnation and separation from God that the vilest of sinners will feel in the lake of fire. His sensitive nature was traumatized by sharing vicariously the guilty of fall rapes, murders, and atrocities. He became sin in order to allow the full wrath of the law to fall upon him in exactly the same way it will fall upon the lost. In no other way can we explain the mysterious anguish of spirit which surrounded our Savior in his closing hours of life. From the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus bore the accumulated sins of mankind in his breaking heart. Not one ray of light was permitted to penetrate the blanket of total alienation from his Father in heaven. 
in order to take the place of guilty sinners and to provide forgiveness, there could be no difference in their penalty and his penalty. Let no one suggest that the father did not suffer equally with his son. The divine forbearance of God in allowing wicked men to torture his son to death is the ultimate proof that he loves us with the same love that he loved us. The choice he faced was very simple. He could spare the son or he could spare us. There was no other choice. The law had been broken, the law which was holy and perfect. As a reflection of his character, it could not be changed or destroyed. The penalty had to be paid. The father loved those who had broken his law, but he also loved his son. Look again at the scene around the cross. God looked upon those wicked men as they spat upon Jesus and hit him in the face with their fists. They were unworthy to touch the hem of his garment, but they were mauling him to death. He held the power in his hand to smite those little men into oblivion. He could save his son from cruel towns and blows, but if he intervened, not one human being would ever live again. Adam, Abraham, Joseph, Daniel, and every other child of Adam will be lost for eternity. Their resurrection dependent wholly upon the death and resurrection of his beloved son. In his omniscience, God must have remembered every individual face and name, even of those who had not yet been born. In that moment, God thought about you and me. Even though he saw all our miserable failures, he still wanted us to be with him for eternity. He knew the great majority would not accept the offer of eternal life with him, even though it would be provided at such a fearful cost. But he also knew that a few would love him and gladly receive and substitutionary death of his son in their behalf. So God turned away from his son and allowed him to be crushed to death under the weight of his sins he did not commit. Even the sun hid its face from a terrible sin, and the earth shuddered in protest. It is finished. Jesus cried and yielded up his life. John chapter 19 verse 30. Listener, the price of redemption had been paid. Was it too high? For multiple millions it was an empty investment, a wasted sacrifice. They would lightly esteem the entire transaction and reject it out of hand. But what about you? Now that you see a little clearer what it cost, do you find yourself responding to the investment he made in your salvation? I believe that you can see hope in what Christ has done for us on the cross. May God bless you as you meditate upon this great sacrifice. Amen. I was your presenter, Ian Musa. Have a good time. Thank you for staying tuned throughout the show. I hope you are blessed just like I was. Don't forget to send us your views, comments, or questions about the show to the producer. Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Until next time, I have been your host, Monica Kamokwa. God bless you abundantly.
Salvation and free us from sin. It was my prayers, but it took it from me. For I had no strength to stand for the pain. But Jesus came down from heaven to earth just to pay the debt for me. My Jesus Christ just paid it all for me. Whosoever believes eternally lives, but if we wrong, we crucify him on the cross the second time. He Remember me, then I'll rise, who you come to me, to my death, remember me, to my death, remember me, to my death, 
Remember me, you dear God. Remember when you come. Remember by my name. Remember me. Then I'll rise. You will come to me by the hand. Remember me, you dear God. Remember when you come. Remember by my name. Remember me. Then I'll rise. You will come to me by the hand. Oh, uh-huh. 